Welcome back to the Programmatic Digest podcast, a discussion on top programmatic and digital news with other digital ninjas. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, your very own Programmatic Sensei. If you love how intriguing the episodes are and don't want to miss a new one, head over to ProgrammaticDigest.com to sign up to our weekly or monthly newsletter. You can also check out the episode show notes, which includes referred articles and expert information on our website, again, programmaticdigest.com. In the Sunset's Corner this week, we welcome Latoya Shambu. Latoya is CEO and founder of Black Girl Digital, a premium black female marketing and influencers agency. She's worked with major brands on successful 360 digital campaigns and social media activation. With over 10 years experience as digital media expert in New York City, Latoya is an amazing advertising, marketing, business branding speaker. You can find Latoya on her website and on LinkedIn. Welcome to the Sunset's Corner, Latoya, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Helen, for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. We're excited to have you. Um, so I'm super excited. You have no idea. Finally, we get to we get to do this. I know. I feel like we've been planning this for over a year now. <laughs> <laughs> so before we dive in into the two articles that I really wanted to pick your brain on, how about you just tell us a little bit about Black Girl Digital? Yeah, absolutely. So Black Girl Digital is primarily an influencer marketing agency that specializes in the Black female audience. And we've recently been growing into building out um, digital marketing campaigns for smaller brands and mid-level brands as well. Um, We also have added to our roster social media management and content production because a lot of brands lately they really just need support in that area of content creation and um, just building out what their social presence is going to look like from a day to day. I'm so impressed with with the whole with what you're doing and you. I I cannot wait to continue you know seeing the the success of what you're doing right now. Um been following you on LinkedIn and on social media and I'm like, yes. <laughs> All about it and and I support you and I'm I'm really glad you got the chance we got the chance to discuss today. Well, thank you again for having me. So, let's dive into this these articles. Again, all articles will be added to our show notes. You can find it on um, our website, theprogrammaticdigest.com. 2020 already started with a bang in the digital media world. Um, Google announced, I'm sure you've heard, but Google Chrome announced that the end of their, what us programmatic ninja knows as third-party cookies. It's truly just trying to bridge the personalization and consumer privacy. Um, And if I quote directly from their blog post, Google also is, is just trying to, trying new approaches to ensure the ads continue to be relevant for users while minimizing data shared with website and advertisers. I mentioned Google because another wall garden that you're really familiar with is Facebook, and <laughs> they've not they've not uh, fallen short of any privacy challenges in the last six seven years, especially legally. Um, they Facebook just announced, I think it was at the, end, at the end of the month of January, that consumers can now check off who can see their posts and other profile information via their privacy checkup. 
they have now uh, something called the off Facebook activity, which is Facebook way of showing um, the consumer data collected by other companies and other businesses and how it's being used to show them relevant ads. Um, and so I wanted to, to bring this up because privacy is a big thing and has been in a while. And then in the next article, we will particularly talk about transparency on the Instagram platform. But before we get to there, I just wanted to know how, not only how this has affected you as a digital marketer, but you work with a lot of other digital marketers and clients, like you just mentioned, is that, how has that affected either your, the way you're, you're, you're consulting, the way you're running your campaigns, this just, just Facebook as a whole? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think the article is actually really, really great and really interesting because one, the average user probably would never read this information. Second, if they read it, they probably wouldn't even understand it. So it's nice in, in all for Facebook to have um, presented this and they're making their changes, but I feel like they still can do a little bit, a little bit more to make make sure that the, the average user really understands what it means when they say, you know, you're off Facebook activity. Um, I, don't, I don't think that it's personally affected our business strategy at all. Um, if anything, you know, again, the average user, they're probably not necessarily paying attention to all of these updates. So they're not going in and saying, Oh, um, you know, I went on fashionnova.com and now Facebook knows that. So now Facebook is going to target me with a Fashion Nova ad or a retail ad that's similar to Fashion Nova. They're, they're, they're not going to go in and say, let me clear this. I don't want them to target me. So, you know, running a Facebook ad as a, a paid marketing uh, person, uh, it doesn't change. Nothing is changing. It's cute though. Right. I think it's I think it's nice of them to to speak on transparency, but um, again, the average user they're really not paying attention to it in that regard. I did see, however, um, I did get a, an alert where it it reminded me that I lo I logged into another app and connected it to Facebook. That I found very interesting, and I was like, oh. Thank you for the reminder. I'm going. I actually wanted to remove the app from being uh, aligned uh, with Facebook. Anyway, mm -hmm. so I appreciated that part of it. Um, mm -hmm. I I'm, I definitely don't go in to the data part and say don't track my behavior or don't target me based on my previous um, internet behaviors. That part is is not important. Yeah, I think. <laughs> You bring a good point because I even on the personal level, I see a lot of family members that complain about Facebook privacy, but then don't understand it, like you exactly. mentioned. And and it's very, as a consumer, it's, it worries me, but had I never been in the data industry or the marketing industry, I would have never thought about paying attention to those. So... Um, it's also as a digital marketer, I think on the programmatic side and on the social media side, it's only started affecting us when they decided to remove um, their audience network. I don't know if you heard, but they said that the audience network is going to be gone for sure sometime in February. Um, just as a friendly reminder, that was our way to just buy 
not third-party data, but um, outside audiences to use within our paid paid advertising or to use in addition to the paid ads within the platform, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. And I know that in 2017, they had already removed some of their third-party third partners, right? Like Axiom, I think. Mm-hmm. So that only affected me as a digital media mark, uh, media strategist when it came to oh now I cannot use like a third party behavioral descriptive because it's gone so we really we started relaying a lot on Facebook data which was not always accurate like if you notice you'll target people that have certain level of interest but even if I'm interested in like a porch I'm never gonna buy it like I'm not in <laughs> I'm not in market for sure right now, and I'm okay being not being in market for Porsche, but it's but, nice. This looks good. But see, so, with, with that, you kind of have to um, understand shopping behavior, though. So that's if, true. If you are, you, you might have looked at a porch, but you now have to add the layer of engaged shopper. You now have to add the layer of, you know, um, made a purchase within X, Y, X amount of days. Or, you, you know, when you, when you, think about the consumer behavior and the touch points well what did they just do that would make them you know click this ad what's the what's the behavior that i need some of someone when they're on facebook well did they just look are they interested and then are do they spend money are do they shop often online or you know do they um, you know, what, what's their income? Like it's, it's all of these layers that you kind of have to think about now when you're making, when you're creating these paid um, or kind of selecting that, um, that targeting level. Yeah. I, um, yeah, that you hit the, the, the nail on the head there because we, we had to change our, almost like a mindset Like we had to change our whole strategy to seeing Facebook as a, either really top funnel awareness uh, strategy or utilizing the, the Facebook platform with the client first party data or a second party data that we will import from, you know, one platform into another. Um, so right. that was a solution that could have been, that, that worked for, I think it still works. The next conversation that we're about to have, and it's specific to Instagram and, and users privacy, but you sent me the articles from raps.org. It's uh, it's called FDA to study perception of Instagram influencers and their disclosures. And it was written by Zachary Brennan. So just to recap the article for, for our listeners, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration FDA's Office of Prescription Drug Promotion, OPDP, <laughs> announced recently that it's working on two studies. One is will focus on Instagram influencers and how how people perceive what they say. But more specifically, the research is really to understand how payment disclosures of influencers, uh, how payment disclosure, excuse me, influences consumers' decision and reaction or reaction. They mentioned how back in, I think they give a, an example how back in 2015, Kim K received a warning letter from the FDA without disclosing it was a, because she wasn't disclosing that it was a pay advertisement when promoting this morning sickness drug, I think. So here's here's 
again, another <laughs> office, <laughs> governmental office, <laughs> trying to, to budget. I'm not going to say, yeah, fe- regulate <laughs> our, our industry. And, and I'm not mad at it as a consumer, but let's really look at, let's really realize how all of those moving pieces or privacy regulations or like tech giants attempting to get ahead of it. In my opinion, they've been all, all been proactive, but anyway. But specifically, like this is this article was talking about pharmaceutical products and the and and how consumer transparency on some of those social platforms like Instagram. So give us um, so you work with those platforms and you work for influencers and what what do you think first? What do you think about that? I think it's great. I think that someone it should finally come in and truly figure out how to regulate this industry only because it is the wild wild west and some of these celebrity influencers they have real influence so they they should be held responsible and accountable for the things that they're saying when they're if they're being paid or not especially when it comes to promoting um pharmaceutical drugs there's so many disclosures that need to be said and you know they just have to be more responsible and someone needs to hold them accountable if they can't hold themselves accountable. So like I said, as a consumer, I appreciate, I appreciate that, but um, I'm more on the paid media side, specifically programmatic, social and search. So I have not had the chance and experience yet to work with influencers on a first level. So take us back once, like a step back and really explain one what high level, I guess, for us <laughs> as uh, beginners. Sure. And and also like how how well because I do believe that ultimately all paid advertising work well together when done correctly. I agree. The message doesn't have to be the same, but when done correctly, not one paid media should be alone. It should be one or two here and there because you want to hit your audience at in their natural and native environment. And sometimes it's Instagram. Sometimes on Kim K's page, sometimes on TV, or sometimes reading CNN. I agree. So just give us like a quick one-on-one on influencer marketing, what that entails. If there's any media planners out there that are actually think they should consider um, that avenue and why. Yeah, absolutely. The influencer marketing space should really be planned based on an influencer's audience versus their, you know, just average follower Kim K may have I don't know what what does she have about over a hundred million followers now but how many of those people do you actually need to reach or feel like you're going to reach so meaning you know if you want to reach African-American females between the ages of 18 to 24 well what's the percentage of that that she reaches she may, she may have 100 million followers, but if she's only reaching 2% of who you're trying to reach, does that really make sense for your buy? No. You really should focus on the influencers who have a, at least 40%, 40% of the audience that you're trying to target. Because on average, the engagement rate for a, a, a post is what, 3% maybe? So you kind of have to really be strategic in how you're 
uh, selecting those influencers and requesting their analytics uh, or their insights rather and making sure that they reach enough of your audience or who you're trying to target mm. so that the buy makes sense. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's something I, I did not know. I mean, I ran paid media for brands like Wrangler before. And I mean, they, they, they are one of my favorite brands out there because they've done so well over the years and not only on the diversity side, but on their like, um, even on their product side, I, I really like that brand. And I remember running again, I ran the paid media side and then we did some influencers. And I remember the the other department talking about some of the results. And I always thought it was really cool, but I had no, I have very little uh, knowledge about that. So if I wanted to suggest one of the current clients that I have to consider an influencer marketing, so we should look at those two things, like who the influencer is, of course, mm-hmm. um, like what they stand for, maybe their lifestyle or right. their beliefs, values, whatever it is. And the second would be who are the audience. Correct. Uh, as long as that audience target matches at least 40% of our ideal customers, then Correct. we should definitely consider. Absolutely. So think right. of it like this, you know, if you have um, a bikini client, right? Mm-hmm. And then you, you select a model, um, uh, I don't know one of these one of these Instagram models, but if you look at her her audience and eighty percent of her audience is male, she's not going to work. She's not going to sell any bathing suits because her audience is eighty percent men. Right. Okay. <laughs> she might look good in the bathing suit, but <laughs> she she's not going to drive the ROI. Yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah, that's a good example. That's a, that's a good example. And also, I think we're mentioning like celebrities, like the Kim K's or whoever. But honestly, we, there's a lot of like local influencers that may not have millions, but have a, such a higher presence in the, their local community. Right. And I, I would also think, I mean, I, if I was planning like within my strategy, I would probably hit them first because they have such a stronger following in the local community that I'm trying to reach. And influencer marketing, what would be, I mean, you mentioned retail. This article is talking about pharmaceutical and the drug uh, industry, but what other industries should be considered that we we wouldn't have thought about in terms of I should reach out to an influencer about this product or this service or this, this whatever? What what particular industry um, that hasn't really tapped into the influencer space that should be in the influencer space? Like, for instance, on the B2B side, I wouldn't think about hiring an influencer. However, um, if Jeff Green, uh, CEO of the Trade Desk, mentioned a partner, oh, we've done work with AppNexus or the trade desk of AppNexus have collaborated on this product. You best believe I'm going to listen to him. And then I'm more likely to engage with that new product and you mm-hmm. <laughs> engage with that technology staff or whatever um, versus just somebody messaging me on LinkedIn, letting me know, try this new product and I've never heard of them. So I think there's opportunities in the B2B world. I haven't heard of any. Maybe I, it's just because I haven't heard of any. But what do you think? Like, what other industry could be like, 
yeah, the retail is definitely one I food industry, I would say. It's situ- It's really situational. You know, mm. I, I think for local businesses, if they can identify local influencers that have a strong local following, for example, a dentist, it's 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 super um it's kind of it's super simple you kind of just see who you know is a houston influencer for example Mm -hmm. and then you reach out to them and say hey what area of houston are you located in you know do how many people do you reach can you send me a screenshot of your insights from the last 30 days and then if it's Mm -hmm. if it's houston at the top great if they're you know a, a good percentage of the audience is from Houston, then they're an ideal influencer for this local dentistry, right? So now you say, hey, influencer, how about you come in, I give you a free whitening and you post it and, you know, you you get the free whitening in exchange for a post, you know, and just, you know, drive people to, to our location or our website for a free whitening, bada bing, bada boom, done. Hmm. And then the dentistry, they should ask for usage rights. They get that asset, run it on their Instagram page, and then put paid media behind it and target their local area by zip code within that 25 mile radius. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, those people within that area, they may actually know this local Houston influencer. it's it's relatable before we move on to the next segment Mm -hmm. and just to close this one um briefly mentioned analytics and i'm surprised at myself that i haven't asked you that (laughs) question yet i usually data is the language of my heart so i usually ask measurement (laughs) questions by now yeah but um what what would be some key success metrics there i mean obviously aside from would it just be social engagement metrics at this point well, it, again, it depends on what your objective is. You know, if um, I work a lot with um, hair clients. So for a, a particular hair client, and if your hair is only being sold in the beauty supply store, that means you can't directly send some, you, you're not, you're not sending anyone digitally anywhere. Yeah. So that, that traffic, that, that line of traffic is broken. So your metric is either going to be, um, if it's a video, you know, are you, does it matter that you have 10 views or do you need 200 views? If you have mm. 200 views, does that mean they're, they're more likely to go into the store? Who knows? For me, what I like to kind of look at is how many people saved this post, because that means now they're, they're going to refer back to it. That means they're going to go to the beauty supply store and pull up and that image and say, hey, owner, manager, person, someone here, can you show me where this is? That is I a feel, success measure. I feel targeted based on what you're saying because I say all the time. <laughs> and I had no idea. I was like, this is such a great tool. It's a I'm gr- come exactly, back later and work it out. Exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look up how to make this mask with natural product, including eggs. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's me. Wow, mm-hmm. that's really, that's very interesting. And, and, and so so people have to remember, your, your that now means that your CTA, your call to action should be save this post, period. Wow. 
See, I've never came across a post that says save this post. I've Think came across, like it. I said, it's like I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because like, <laughs> I, I'll go, I'll be working out or, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're in the bus or you're, you're even like at work, to be honest. And you're sitting on Instagram and you're like, oh my gosh, when I get home, I'm going to try this recipe. Mm-hmm. Let me save it. And I do the same thing with YouTube videos. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I have to remember how to fix this on whatever right. and then I'll save it. Right. So it's just pretty genius. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, do- I do a lot of tune in business, you know, with the with T V shows. And that is a huge metric that I ex- explain to them. I'm like, look how many people saved it. That means they're they're gonna refer back to tuning into the show. Like they this is this is their yeah. reminder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 a and I would rather see that type of metric versus the millions impressions and even when i talk to clients now Mm -hmm. yeah like like we we can give you all the impression counts that you want but that's not going to move the needle on your business that's not going to move the needle on your sales or anything even on your awareness so having other metrics that can guide where we want to head as not only in media but as like a a business total that's and using the media to determine is really important And that, that's really, that's a good point that you're bringing up. Like the metrics is just as important just because you're paying another human being. It's still paid advertising. Um, it's, you can still get some level of metric, especially with, with the, the social platforms that you're using. And we only talk about Instagram and we briefly mentioned Facebook, but I, I, I think, <laughs> I think we should have another conversation about the other platform because like I said, most of our, most of us listening are more on the programmatic, the search, um, the content marketing side. And I think this is a um, an industry that started, we started hearing a lot more about influencers marketing in like a couple, couple years. But like I said, I, I want to hear more. And I also want to hear how we can really merge mm-hmm. and use both and compare. Like I, we're already doing it with CTV, search, mm-hmm. social, paid. Mm-hmm. So. I love content marketing. I think... I think people should pay more attention to how content marketing goes hand in hand with search and Mm -hmm. works with influencers. So, I mean, this year we just started at Black Earth Digital. We just launched our blog. And the traffic, the traffic has increased 57,000%. (laughs) <laughs> and it's really about you know using these specific keywords that people are searching for. They're naturally just searching for certain things. So when you are building your campaign, it's really understanding the magic. And the magic is in the message. And the message mm. is what is trending around my product or what are people talking about that relates to my product? And how can I tie that into my entire campaign? including content, SEO, and influencers, you know, because if you pay attention, when you Google something, it pulls up Instagram, it pulls through, it pulls up Facebook, it pulls up LinkedIn, it pulls up all these social platforms. So when these words, when your keywords are in every element of your plan, then it all comes together. And people, people are sleeping on Pinterest. Pinterest is the platform where people are going there for a particular interest. You you go there because you're looking to des- redesign your bathroom. You go there because you're looking for a new black girl hairstyle. 
a for a protective hairstyle. You go there because you're looking for something and there's not and it's not bombarded with context, with content, with words. It's images with minimal words. So yeah. it's it's a it's an underserved platform that people aren't even paying attention to. And I think that it all goes hand in hand from content, just all about understanding your keywords and mm-hmm. pulling it together in your entire campaign. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, again, I feel really guilty as a princess. <laughs> I only go there <laughs> to plan baby showers. Like, birthdays, exactly. You know. you're, <laughs> you're, you're not even thinking about your own behavior. Like mm-hmm. think about your own behavior and, and how you can apply that to your client's brand and business mm-hmm. are bottom line. Um, but in the meantime, let's let's go ahead and move on to the next segment we like to call or we like to shine our diversity light on either an agency, a brand, a creative or anything related to anything that has done diversity right or wrong. <laughs> Do you have somebody, something that you want to share with us like yeah. in the next two, three minutes? Absolutely. Um, I will revert back to the Super Bowl because it was top of mind and we just wrote an article on it as well. So um, my favorite commercial, well, I will say my second favorite. My second favorite commercial was the TurboTax commercial. Oh my gosh, really? (laughs) Yeah. You know what? Diversity segment. It's because I was watching it with my eight-year-old daughter and when things capture her attention, it captures my attention. And she was already in, in, immersed in TikTok. So she was on her TikTok, on my phone, on TikTok. And as soon as the commercial came on, she kind of, she just jumped up and joined in on the dance. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, they did a good job. And it, there were so many different um, cultures. It was so cute. It was effortless. The song was, was vibe. It was just a good overall commercial. I didn't find anything wrong with it. And then um, the genius behind it, though, is that they carried it over to digital. I saw the commercial on YouTube the next morning. Mm. And then, um, you know, they had a, a, a separate landing page with, with, all of, with all the videos all the information about, you know, the commercial and they had the, they even had the lyrics on the page with made, which made for great SEO. You know, the only thing um, I had, I noticed is that when you, if you searched, if you kind of just casually searched um, TurboTax, it drove you to their main page. They did not do a good job at putting the link to the commercial or something Mm, more prominent on the homepage. But overall, it was phenomenal. I, I think, I mean, even on TikTok, I think they're out there at over 320,000 views. Views, okay. Yeah, such a, it was such a good, a good campaign. Not just a commercial. It was a great campaign. It was a great campaign. And, okay. and while a lot of other, um, a, a lot of other brands just fell flat at creating a good campaign. Okay, okay. <laughs> I will, I will give it to you. <laughs> but I, I mean, it didn't make me want to use their service. I did note that too. I was like, I don't, I'm not going to TurboTax, but maybe for the kids when they get older and it's time for them right. to do their taxes, they'll remember stuff like this. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> using TurboTaxes way back when. Way back in, in the college, day. Yeah. Because they yeah. had a very user-friendly yeah. uh, 
you know, platform. So yeah, now we're now we're now we're we have our big girl panties and big girl yeah. money, <laughs> we and we need we have to hire somebody. <laughs> we have to hire someone to to deal with these big girl taxes. Mm. Oh my god, that's so funny. Okay, so Ooh. in closing, yeah. um, do you mind sharing one fun fact about yourself and the latest book or you read or the latest Audible? you've you've listened to or your next book on your list this year oh good one so fun fact i am a karaoke queen what yes hello whitney yes me too me and my cousins and my friends we we strongly believe we could have been (laughs) destiny's child the 2000s i'm gonna come sound like them You just have the spirit and the heart. That's all that matters. That's what Jesus That's said. That's all that matters. Believe in yourself, okay? Absolutely, absolutely. And the book that I am um I'm reading now is um Start with Why. Oh, I oh, Simon Sinek. So he's one of my favorites. One oh, of my favorites. I've read that book at least twice and yeah. listened to the Audible. I audiobooked it, but I, I I audiobooked it, but I was like, I have to write paper, yeah. read and, mm-hmm. and write and notes and yeah, so I'm doing I'm on the second run. I'm doing the paperback now. Oh nice. Yeah, yeah. His, his book is and it's a great oh gosh, we can talk about him all <laughs> it's he's such he it's so brilliant. Such a great book. So brilliant. Book. Yeah. I strongly recommend that to anyone. And also I'll I'll put the Amazon link on the show notes, but Start with why, whether you have your own business, you're working and you're successful in your careers, you need your next move, you need yeah. to find your purpose or you found your purpose. You need to take it to the next level. That, that start book. With why. Yes. Start with why. Start with why. <laughs> and it doesn't even have to be professionally or career uh, oriented. It can be just finding your purpose in your life. Thank you so much for joining us. We've had a lot of fun and we've learned a lot and you'll definitely hear from us again. <laughs> to talk more about this. Thank you so much for having me, Helen. This was such a pleasure. I really, really enjoyed myself. Thank you. Again, you'll find everything we've discussed today, including our guest information, show notes, and all referred articles on our website, programmaticdigest.com. You can also sign up to receive our newsletter weekly when a new episode drops or monthly if you'd like to binge like I do. In conclusion, fam, our mission on this podcast is to share knowledge, highlight diversity and inclusion in our industry, and educate ourselves as we continue to build this community of curious and confident programmatic ninjas.